0: Hello, it is Thursday, November the 5th, 2020, Um, and this is the Jackson Bleachers podcast. There's a lot of things going on this week, a busy sports weekend, and really a busy sports month too, with college basketball starting at the end of the year. Um, So we're going to start with with the biggest thing, at least locally this weekend, it's the Tennessee Arkansas football game, Um, and then not not a full preview of the Tennessee basketball season, but we're going to mention a little bit of that here in just a little bit. Um, and then we'll, we'll finish it up with, with some of the picks we've already made for this weekend's college football slate. Um, so let's start with the Tennessee-Arkansas game. Um, here we are. It's the first weekend in November, and somehow the, the Tennessee's trip to Fayetteville is the biggest game of the season. Um, who would have thought that? This was supposed to be one of the two easy wins for Tennessee when, when we were looking at the schedule before the season started, uh, the other one being Vandy, of course. But Sam Pittman suddenly has his Razorbacks looking like they belong in the SEC West. Um, On the contrary, though, Jeremy Pruitt's seat has has gotten pretty hot, and the Vols definitely seem to have regressed in his third season on Rocky Top. Um, And as they have the last few years, Tennessee's trouble begin under center. Uh, Fifth-year quarterback Jarrett Garantano has had yet another underwhelming season, but for whatever reason, the coaching staff refuses to make a change at quarterback. My hope was going into the bye week that the, that the Balls would use the bye week um, to give the keys to either Brian Mauer or Harrison Bailey. Uh, but all indications out of Knoxville, at least so far, are that Pruitt and Chaney are still going to stick with Garantano. Um, we'll, I'll kind of get into that a little more in a minute. Um, but no matter who trots out at quarterback for Tennessee Saturday night, uh, the Balls have to establish some sort of ground game in order to beat the Hogs on the road. Um, Tennessee has two really good running backs in Eric Gray and Ty Chandler. Uh, both guys are going to be relied upon to take some of the pressure off whoever the quarterback is, again, probably Garantano. Um, but if they can break off a couple of big gains on the ground, it would be a much-needed shot of energy um, into what's definitely been a very lackluster offense so far this year um, and any any kind of help we can get because we know we're not going to beat you with the with the Garantano's arm. On the other side, though, Arkansas, their quarterback this year is, is Florida transfer Felipe Franks, and he's really revitalized his career since coming over to Fayetteville from Gainesville. And while I still wouldn't put him in the upper tier of quarterbacks in the conference, I would 100% take him over Garantano. Um, and that, no question, I, I think just about anybody would. Um, but again, he's not amazing, just better than what we have. Um Franks has been smart enough to avoid disaster for the most part this year, um, and he's accurate enough to thread the needle if he has to. Um, and he, it helps him, too, that he's got a couple of just absolute horses in his backfield, and, and uh, Traylon Smith and Rakeem Boyd. Um, and he also has a nice trio of downfield weapons and Treylon Burks, Devion Warren, and Mike Woods. And while, as a whole, the, the, uh, the Razorbacks aren't loaded with five stars, um, First-year head coach Sam Pittman has definitely gotten the best out of what he has. Um, Chad Morris really left the covered bear for him, and Sam Pittman is, is not only winning, he should have two more wins than he has, um, but he's winning with a roster that, quite frankly, didn't really even an SEC West roster. Um, so things are going pretty well in Fayetteville right now. Um, the, about the exact opposite of how things are going on Rocky Top. Um, So let's shift gears again, um, talk about some things that I thought Tennessee needed to get fixed, and hopefully they did get fixed over the bye week. I'm going back to the quarterback situation again, because that is the number one thing. I'm not holding my breath on a quarterback change, but I am hoping that there's finally at least some sort of clear plan for the quarterbacks. Um, it 's been blatantly obvious over the past few weeks that there was no plan going into the season. Um, maybe the plan shifted a little bit in the Alabama game, I doubt it, uh, but i 'm just hoping that there 's some sort of plan that that we can see uh, just to prove that they 're not just sitting on their thumbs in that in that uh, coaching meeting in the coaching meetings. Um, But first in the Kentucky game, obviously J.G. played terrible. J.T. Stroud, for whatever reason, was only given one drive. He did throw a pick, and he hadn't seen the field again, and I highly doubt he's ever going to see the field um, in in an orange jersey anymore. Um, After he got benched, J.G. came back in and played just about the rest of the game. But then out of nowhere, uh, Pruitt runs out. True freshman Harrison Bailey to close the game out. Um, which I think that was a shock to everybody. I know a lot of people have been wanting to see him, but I don't think anybody expected to see him the way that, the way that they did in the, in the Kentucky game. Uh, but then fast forward another week, uh, you go to the Alabama game. Only one quarterback didn't play in the Kentucky game, and he is the quarterback that came in at, with the second team in the Alabama game, and that was Brian Maurer. Um, just completely skipped over the week before, and then was somehow in the second spot. Uh, the very next week against Alabama. Um, so I I don't know how that happens. How do you just not go to him at all? I don't think he was hurt. All reports were that he was healthy enough to play in the Kentucky game, and the coaching staff just decided not to go to him, um, which is fine if he's not your number two quarterback. But then why the heck the next week is he your number two quarterback? And I get Shrout's probably going to transfer – and you don't like you made it blatantly obvious that you don't like Shroud, but then why didn't you put Maurer in at the end of the Kentucky game instead of playing uh instead of playing Harrison Bailey? That that's something that it, it's just frustrating that there just seems like there's no organization to that quarterback room. And then the second part of that non existent plan is that it's obvious to everyone that, that J.G. does not have what it takes to be the starting quarterback at the University of Tennessee. Um, I've been telling you that for three years now, and just about everybody else who, who didn't see it three years ago saw it loud. They heard it loud and clear by the middle of last year. Um and I I completely get why why you don't want to play Harrison Bailey this year, and and honestly I agree with it. Um, he's a true freshman. He's had no spring practice, very limited practice before the season, and then, and there were no non conference games for him to get his feet wet this year. Um, so that I, I you get a pass. In my opinion, you get a pass on Harrison Bailey. I understand it. I like the decision there. Um, and then with J T. Shroud, I don't. I haven't seen enough of J.T. Stroud to make a decision one way or the other. I don't see how there's any way he could be worse than than what you're running out there number two every week Um, because it's hard to be worse than that. But obviously the coaching staff thinks that J.T. Stroud is not the answer. They don't like him. And I would say there's at least a 90% chance that he hits the transfer portal at the end of this year. So I get why you're not playing him. If if you're out on him and you know he's going to transfer, whatever, I, I, I get that too. But here's the frustrating part is why my Brian Mauer can't get a shot. Um, he looked perfectly capable last year. Um, he was the shot in the arm the balls needed to kick off that end of season success. And, heck, if, if he would have stayed healthy, he got an, an insane amount of concussions in a short period of time, so he kind of had to shut it down. But if he would have stayed healthy, I don't think Garantano ever would have got the job back. Um, and I think Maurer would be your starting quarterback right now. And even in his very limited – time he got against Alabama two weeks ago he gave the team a spark um, so I don't get why why you won't go back to him I am still crossing my fingers that we will see a little bit of Maurer this week and I don't mean because Tennessee's getting blown out and you put him in in the fourth quarter I mean you give, I hope I'm hoping we see some meaningful snaps from Mauer um, not holding my breath but I am keeping my fingers crossed there um, And I know the fans aren't the only ones who want to change at quarterback. At uh, the beginning of that bye week there were multiple Tennessee players who hinted on social media that they wanted a, a change under center. Um it was all quickly deleted and uh, but screenshots live forever. I'm not gonna mention who they were because it's uh, not my place to mention who they were who who did that. Um but it was more than one player and it and, and they were star- they were key contributors to the balls who made their opinions known. Um that they were ready for a quarterback change and while I don't agree with how they did it I do think they're exactly right um and even you don't even need the the social media post to 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 see that the team want, needs a quarterback change and that they want it um they completely quit in that Kentucky game um and it all started after Shrout got pulled and number 2 ran back out on the field they were still playing down what was it 21 to nothing after the three straight turnovers and scores by Kentucky they were still playing they shut it down when JG came back into the game um and it, and it was pretty obvious that that's what happened and it's hard for me to believe that every all of that has been healed in one week off um and and I just don't see how you can how the team gets past that without there being a, a change at quarterback um and and as messed up as it is for me to say this, I don't think JG had a bad enough game against Alabama to justify losing his job during the bye week. And we all know that the ceiling is really low for him, but it we we all we have proof that it takes an absolute disaster for Pruitt to pull him for anything. Um and Pruitt and Chaney were ultra conservative in their play calling against the tide and they never gave him a chance to screw up. No, I would still 100% make a quarterback change, but I would also try to call plays to beat Alabama, a team that I despise, a, a bitter rival that I haven't beat in 14 years, where they called plays to just not get blown out. Um, so so yeah, I th- they called that game to not they called the game not to get blown out and to not let Jared Garantano screw up, and and JG did not screw up, but it's because he was not in a position. To where he could have possibly made a mistake to screw up. Um and that part of that too. I I think that that was their way one of not getting blown out, but two of also being able to prove JD didn't cost us the game, so why do we need to move on from him? Um but I mean, it the the play calling there it's because their hands are Chaney's anyway, his, his, his hands are tied. What are you going to do with JG? You can't trust him to make a big throw. Alabama loads up to stop the run. And then when you do throw, it's got to be dink and dunks because who the heck knows what's going to happen, um, or, or what kind of decision he's going to make. Um, but anyway, I need, I need to get off of that, that soapbox. This pity party has gone on for too long. Um, and I want to try to be positive at least for a minute. Um, now there is a growing opinion amongst Tennessee fans that the season's over and that it can't be salvaged. And I couldn't disagree with that more. Um, the balls are only one game under what we th- where we thought they'd be at the halfway point. And despite how negative everything surrounding the program is right now, um, every single team left on that schedule is beatable. and there are a couple of teams, uh, a couple of games left against teams that a win really kickstart a program um and and can get you on a momentum a momentum starting run kind of like last year where you finished with seven in a row obviously those two games those two teams are texas a&m and florida um and while i'm i'm not out on jeremy pruitt yet i've disappointed in him the last few weeks but i'm not out on him and hopefully you're not either um because frankly we we better hope and pray that he's got it in him to get Tennessee back to the top because there's almost a 0% chance of him being fired before the end of next season. Uh, with everything going on right now, there's just, there just isn't enough money to fire another coach. And Halfway through year three, it's still too early to bail on a guy who just three games ago had the longest win streak in Power 5 football, the um, longest win streak in the SEC, and I think the third longest in the country uh, behind Air Force and uh, I don't remember who the other team was, uh, but it was a a small conference team, uh, a group of five team for sure. Uh, the last three games, yes, have been absolute hell. Um, but you're telling me a four and one finish with the win against Florida wouldn't completely wash everything away? Because it definitely would. Um, a four and one finish that gets you to what six and four on the season. I mean, I I would take that. Um, I said before the season, I thought we'd go five and five, six and four, um, with an all-SEC schedule. Six and four is way better. It doesn't sound better, but it is way better than a six and uh, six and six, seven and five season in a typical year. Um, and I don't think you can argue that. Again, it doesn't sound that way, but it is way better than that. Um, and all that's still on the table. Do I think they're going to go four and one and beat Florida? No. I think it's more like 3 and 2. Um if if you beat Arkansas though, that's the key. You have to beat Arkansas this week and 3 and 2, 4 and 1's on the table. 3 and 2 is definitely is a real possibility. But if you don't beat Arkansas Saturday, you can kiss all that goodbye. Uh because this thing's coming off the tracks in a hurry if you don't beat Arkansas. Um you're if you lose to Arkansas, you're looking at a real shot of only winning one more game. Uh, that being Vanderbilt, and what would that put you at? It four and six on the season. Um, that four and six in year three. Uh, that that's a disaster. And again, while there's no money because of COVID and everything going on right now to fire Pruitt, um, it's going to make a long, long, long off season. Uh, and Pruitt's going to essentially be a dead man walking because he's going to lose his job. They just can't do it yet, and it's just going to it's going to be hell. Um, it's going to be another off season of a nightmare next year is going to be wasted. Um, and again, I'm not trying to be overly dramatic. This is one game against a team at the beginning of the year we thought would would be terrible, but they're not terrible. It's a road game and you have to win this. You're coming off your bye week. They just played a tough game at Texas A&M and they held in there. They covered the spread. Um, you have to win this one you're a, you're a real short favorite i think it's tennessee a point and a half right now favorite uh, they open with more like tennessee minus three and it actually got down to a pick for a little bit and is back up to tennessee minus a point and a half um but this is one you have to win and the whole season kind of rides on it and it really reminds me of the mississippi state game last year i think if, if the bulldogs beat tennessee last year in that game um everything is completely different uh, and uh I don't think Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee is is finishes the season with their win streak that they had, um, and that it's the sad truth. But that's where we're at here. You beat Arkansas. You can go on a run. You can finish strong. You can keep the positivity going in the off season, and you can hope hope for a, a normal spring, and and look ahead to next year. Hopefully, set up a full a full normal season build on that and and act like this three-game stretch in the middle of the year didn't happen. But, again, you lose to Arkansas, you can kiss that goodbye. It's Katie, bar the door. Um, It's going to be a long winter. But, again, that's the football game. It's the biggest game of the year so far in my book, Um, and it is at 630 Saturday night in Fayetteville. Um, Let's kind of shift gears for a second because – Believe it or not, basketball season's about to start. doesn't feel that way because we haven't really had any schedule news, um, but the season's slated to start in just a couple weeks, um, and it, it, it's almost here, and Tennessee should be really good. Um, just about every major outlet in the country has Tennessee either first or second in the SEC, and, um, Tennessee brings back John Fulkerson, who's been one of the best players in the conference, um, and this year does, he should be a senior. This year doesn't count, does not count against eligibility, um, so if he wanted to, he could come back next year. Um, you know what you're going to get with Fulkie? it's 100% effort all the time, and he's just a pain for every other big in the SEC. Um, Going back a couple years ago He looked really good at the start of his freshman year Uh, He only played 11 games though Because he he was out the rest of the season with an injury And when he came back He was almost unplayable in his sophomore year Um, And really even the start of last year He wasn't unplayable But he wasn't good Uh, Sophomore year though You kind of get it because he wasn't really relied on to do anything. He's coming back from an injury. Down low, you had Kyle Alexander, Admiral Schofield, and Grant Williams, and then even in the in the backcourt, you had Jordan Bowden and Jordan Bone and Lamonte Turner. Um, So him not being great wasn't a big deal two years ago, and then last year, um, when Lamonte went down, he took off, and he was the John Fulkerson everybody was hoping you would get when he was a freshman. Um, and I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. He really took off as one of the best players in the SEC. Um, and I, I think that's going to continue this year. And, uh, with him also kind of looking down low, you also bring back Yeast Ponds. Um, he flirted with the NBA draft. I don't think anybody really thought he would leave though. Um, that would have been pretty dumb for him to go to the NBA draft this year with everything going on. Um, he he could if there's anybody who could ever benefit from another year of developing at the college level, it would be Ponds, um, and that's what's going to happen this year. And if he wants to, he can, again, he can come back next year too because because this year doesn't count against eligibility. Um, he's just a freak, and his presence on the floor is enough to change the game. Um, he proved last t- last year. Um, that you have to at least respect his outside shooting and that he can get to the rack at any time and he can cram on any one. Um, his hops on the defensive end make him quite possibly the best rim protector in the SEC. Um, and while he's still got a ways to go, he's gotten remarkably better on, in every offseason under Rick Barnes. And I know this offseason was different, um, but I expect him to be even better than he was last year. Um, he's just a freak of nature. Um Another key returning piece, maybe the biggest one for me, is Santiago Vescovi. Um he really got thrown into the fire last year with no warning when Lamonte went down. I think it was it was less than two weeks from when Lamonte went down. Um Vescovi had to come to Knoxville from South America and play in his first game. All that within like less than two weeks, and he wasn't expecting to to be on the team until this season. Um obviously the Lamonte injury killed the balls, but Viscobie was a bright spot last year, and, and he had almost zero prep time. Um, and the good thing, too, with about the eligibility not counting, he wasn't supposed to play last year. He was forced into playing, but you kind of get that year of eligibility back since this year doesn't count. Um, he proved last year he can shoot from everywhere, and he can hit from everywhere. He's got the vision of an elite point guard, and he has the ability to, to fit a ball wherever he needs to to make a pass. Um, and he can always see that see the play that needs to be made. Uh, there was no doubt the effort was there last year and you could see the potential with him, um, but he really struggled with, with ball security. He turned the ball over way too much for a starting point guard in the SEC. Um, and I expect those numbers to fall way down this year um, just because he's grown up, he he's done it before, and he's had an off season to get ready. He's gotten stronger. He's smarter. Um, and I think he's, easily going to be one of the best point guards in the conference and and it wouldn't surprise me if he's the best point guard in the conference um and then last year he gave everybody hope i think i think he's going to take a big step forward this year um and and i don't think you can underestimate how important it was that he had a full conference schedules worth of of unexpected experience last year um you also got Josiah Jordan James coming back next year – or coming back this year. He was the only five-star on the roster last year. And Tennessee fans, frankly, had too high of expectations for him. Um, I tried to tell you all along that he wasn't your typical five-star. Um, he's not going to take over a game. He's not just going to go and get you a bucket. Um, he's a team-first guy, and his main goal is to get his teammates involved. Um, and he had a tremendous amount of pressure on him last year with the five-stars. Um and I think he'll really settle in this this year, partly because he's got two other five stars on the roster now, um, and also because Tennessee fans towards the end of the year kind of laid off on the expectations on him and realized what they had in him, and that you can be a good player and not just go take over a game, um, and that that's what you have in here. He's just a smart a smart player, and he's gonna he's always gonna make the right play. Um, he's not gonna force anything. Um, and just because he plays the right way and, and doesn't go you know, fill up the box score doesn't mean he's overrated. He's a guy that you need on your team, and I'm glad he's coming back to Tennessee. I expect him to take a step forward, um, if for nothing else this year, just because um, of some of the, the – the pressure's going to be relieved off of him. Um, and then you got a couple of more um, – those those were the big guys that are coming back. Um you got a couple of guys that didn't see the floor as much last year that are coming back this year that I'm actually really excited about. And that's Olivier Comwa and Devontae Gaines. Um Camois, he's he's fallen in the footsteps of yeast ponds for me. Um but I think the the ceiling for for Olivia, is actually higher than Pons. Um, both are athletic freaks. Um, Kamwa seems to be a little smarter at, at this age than Pons was it, when he was a freshman, when I, which I know Kamwa's a, a sophomore now, but last time we saw him on the floor he was a freshman. Um, he's another guy that if you could – the difference between year one and then now what's going to be year five if he stays the full time because of the, the eligibility, it's, it's going to be just unreal. He's going to be one of those guys that – Rick Barnes can point to and he's recruiting. Like, look what look what he was when he came in as a freshman, and then look what he was after five years with the program. Um, he he's just, he's he's awesome. He's an athletic freak, and I think he's gonna be better than Ponds by the end of by when it's all said and done. Um, with him, like we said, the athletic ability has always been there, and you could start to see the middle th- middle side of things click at the end of last season. Um, he made a, a couple of a freshman mistakes. Um, he always played hard, and he always learned from the mistakes, and I think he's going to take a big step forward this year and eventually be very, very good in the years to come. Um, and then Devontae Gaines, he's a really under-the-radar guy unless you just really keep up with Tennessee basketball. Um, he's one of my favorite players on the team, though. Um, he kind of reminds me of a Tony Allen, uh, if you keep up with the Grizzlies. Just a spark plug. He plays defense. He plays defense he cares so much about the defensive end and it's really obvious. Um if I had one complaint with Rick Barnes last year, it was that for me, Devontae Gaines didn't play enough. Um he you could always count on him to play defense. His man rarely scored. Um he wreaked havoc, especially when his man had the ball. Um he got a ton of steals. If he didn't get the steal he would he would just break down the play for the offense. Um I think he's one of the most underrated defensive guys in the league. He's not going to light up the scoreboard, but he, he can't not score either. Like, he's not a liability. You have to guard him still when he's on the floor. Um, just don't count on him to go for 30. Um, but yeah, he's a guy I love, and I'm, I'm I'm hoping he gets the chance to play a lot this year, if for nothing else, just to cause a spark um, and to play some good defense. <laughs> Last guy coming back um, that I highlighted anyway is Uros Plovsic. I was not impressed at all by Uros last year. I was at – I think it was his first game in Nashville against Vanderbilt, first one he was allowed to play. It was was rough. Um, Tennessee fans as a whole spent the first half of the season last year begging the NCAA to free Euros. Um, And then when he played, it was almost like, I wish he wouldn't have been cleared. Um, His seven-foot frame is an athletic advantage just itself. Um, But the problem is he – There were some times where I thought I was watching Hashim beat, give me flashbacks to the Grizzlies there because, like, he'd get the ball. All you got to do is just turn around and put it in the hole, and he couldn't do it, Um, and it was just so frustrating. He missed a crazy amount of bunnies last year. He also fouled too much on defense. Um, We only got to see him for about a quarter of the season, though, um, so we don't have a huge sample size. I'm not in love with what I saw. But hopefully, he's calmed down a little over the uh, off season and can be a contributor. Because again, just how tall he is, if he can just 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 be a little smarter, I guess is the nice way to put it. He can make an impact, um, and hopefully, that's happened in, during this off season. Uh, but now to the recruiting class for Tennessee, and this is where things get exciting. Um, Rick Barnes did lure in two five-stars in Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson. Plus, he added E.J. Anasicki, um, Corey Walker, and Victor Bailey Jr. to give him a top-five recruiting class and quite possibly the most talented roster in Tennessee basketball history. Now, obviously, being five-stars, um, Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson expect, are expected to be key contributors right away, and I wouldn't be shocked if either one of them um, only have one year on Rocky Top. Um, they both have the potential to be one-and-dones, and, dones and kind of, I, I kind of expect that at least one of them will and wouldn't be surprised if both of them are. Um, Jaden Springer is a five shooting guard, and he can put the ball on the floor when he needs to. His biggest strength is definitely shooting. Um, he's a good passer, and he's not going to be a liability on defense. Where Keon Johnson, he's another six five wing, um, but he's better at cutting to the rim and setting up his teammates than he is just being a spot-up shooter. Um, he can shoot the ball, it's just not his strength. Um, and he will very much hold his own on the defensive end as well. Um, EJ Anisiki is a grad transfer from Sacred Heart. And if the name sounds familiar, it's because his sister Nikki Anisiki uh, was a lady ball grade under Pat Summit. Um That was, ooh, man, that was probably 10 or 15 years. Definitely 10, maybe more like 15 years ago now. Um, but EJ's listed as a guard. But he's more of a 3-4 combo guy. Um, He can be a wing when he needs to, but he can also slide down to power forward. Um, And he's undersized if we're talking about height, but he's thick. um, And he'll be able to move some guys out of the way and kind of manhandle people when he needs to. Um, so then Victor Bailey, Jr., um, he was technically on the team last year, um, but transfer transfer rules forced him to sit out. Um, he's a guard from Oregon, and while there wasn't a huge sample size with his time in Eugene, um, there is enough evidence to suggest he'll be able to hit some threes and help spread the floor for Tennessee. Um, he was on that Oregon Sweet 16 team a few years ago, um, so he knows what it's like to be in a winning, be in a winning locker room, um. And he'll be a big piece, especially when we get closer to March. Um, And finally, Corey Walker, Jr., 6'6 forward out of Jacksonville. Um, He can play either the three or the four position. He's not a guy to rely on to make a lot of outside shots, but he is a guy who can use his body to get to the rim and score. Um, He's got a high motor and should get a lot of rebounds when he's on the floor. Uh, He'll most definitely play hard on the defensive end, which this day and age is a necessity if you can't knock down threes. Um... And then, So those are all the new guys that Tennessee has gotten through recruiting. Um, their only real loss from last season was Jordan Bowden. Um, Lamonte Turner had to shut it down in December, so I'm not counting him a loss off of last year's team because they lost him before conference play even started. Um, Bowden was a good outside shooter for that Sweet 16 team a couple years ago, um, but he was not built for being the guy, and that's okay. Um, he's a local kid. Uh, he had high expectations and unfortunately wasn't able to live up to him. And I'm, I'm not trying to, to crap on him or anything because uh, he did have a good year, but I don't think losing him is going to hurt the balls at all. Um, if anything, it might actually help Tennessee because uh, you're not going to have a guy take 55 threes a game who might hit two of them. Um, I do think Tennessee will finish at the top of the conference, and I think Kentucky's going to finish second, but I wouldn't be surprised if that were flipped. Um, To me, Tennessee has the perfect balance of experienced older guys and exciting new potential one-and-dones. It seems like the final four teams the last few years have had that balance, and Tennessee's found it this year. Um, I think this does have the potential to be the best team in school history. I think talent-wise, they're deeper than they were a couple years ago in that Sweet 16 run. Um, And I think for the first time in my lifetime, there's – They have the this is the best chance in my lifetime for sure that Tennessee's ever had it making the Final Four, Um, but as we've seen with Rick Barnes at Texas and then now at Tennessee, he he can have a Final Four roster, but he's also likely just as likely to to lose in the first round, um, or in the first weekend, as he is to make it to the Final Four. so that's most of what I got on Tennessee so far. Before I do an official preview of of Tennessee basketball, I'm still waiting on the schedule to come out because again, we're on like we're like 3 weeks or less from from the start of the season and there's rumors about that opening weekend. I think VCU and uh I cannot remember who the other team is off the top of my head, but VCU is the big one who would come and play in that opening weekend kind of thing. Um, and then the only other thing we know is the last Saturday in January that Kansas is going to host, or I mean, Tennessee is going to host Kansas in, in late January. Um, there were some rumors, I think Rick Barnes actually may have, uh, confirmed last night that, that, uh, there are going to be about 4,000 fans at Tennessee basketball games. So while it's not your usual 22,000 in the Tommy bowl, um, there will be some some fans in attendance um so when the schedule comes out we'll have a little bit of a better idea of and, and can finish up the preview there but that was just a little quick quick mention of tennessee basketball season um so we're gonna wrap up the podcast with the college football picks that we have so far for this week um and again i'm recording this on Thursday morning. Um, I had a I had a pick from Wednesday night and it hit. I had Eastern Michigan plus five and a half at, at Kent State. Um, Eastern Michigan, it Kent State ended up winning by four, so I we ended up cashing that bet. So we're off to a one and zero start this weekend. Um, one of my favorite games of the whole weekend is actually tonight. Uh, it's the late game tonight. I love Wyoming. I love the Wyoming Cowboys. I love their. I I love their coach and I love their two running backs. I really love their second string running back Trey Smith. Um I said second string. He's he's not a second string. He he gets a ton of reps. Um he's just their number two back. Um their their number one back, his name's uh Validay. Uh he he can get some yards. He's more of a speedster where Trey Smith is more that I'm just gonna run over you guy. Um anyway, they're playing tonight at Colorado State. Uh, I got Wyoming at, t- at uh minus two and a half. I think right now it's more like three. Um, if you can get it at three, I'd still take it, um, three and a half. I'd be a little weary of it. I do think Wyoming wins by double digits, but I mean, anytime you start messing with a three and a half or a seven and a half, it always just makes you sick. Um, if you can't buy that half point. Um, so I would, I would try to get it at three or less. I got it at two and a half. Um, and I got that Monday, um. That one I think it's at eight forty five Central Time. Um, should be a big should be a fun game. I don't think Colorado State is that good. Um they have old former Boston College coach Steve Adazio as their head coach and they, they had kind of a tumultuous off season with all these allegations of, of racism in the program. Um just a off season full of distractions. Um and th- they did not look very good at all last week. Um I think they opened against Fresno State, but I should have looked that up before I started recording. Um, anyway, Wyoming—I think they're one of the, the upper-tier Mountain West teams. Colorado State's one of the lower tier, um, and I think the reason it's only two and a, only two and a half when I got it is because it is a Thursday night road game. Um, but good news is Wyoming played Friday night at home, not Saturday. Um, so the Thursday that kind of helps a little bit, especially when you factor in that uh yesterday or not yesterday Tuesday was a mandatory day off in college football um so that's even more of a disadvantage, especially for road teams to playing tonight and tomorrow um but Wyoming played Friday to kind of kind of cancel that out a little bit. I like Wyoming minus two and a half um and I also have a pick for Friday night. There's actually a really big game Friday night. It's BYU at Boise State. Um, I think Boise State's awesome. I think Boise State's better than just about – I think Boise State, in my opinion, it, is one of the best teams in college football. Um, and I think I have them ranked higher than just about anybody else does. But I, that's probably because I watch a lot of – way more Mountain West football than any normal human being, especially one who lives in Tennessee should ever watch. Um but I, I look at it, I, I as much as I love Boise State and they're playing at home on a Friday, I did take BYU minus two and a half, and I think it's more like three now. I got that number on Sunday, by the way. And, and my reasoning for that was this game is more important for BYU than it is Boise State. Um, BYU this year has just throttled everybody. There's... There's plenty of pressure from from media to, to give them a shot at the college football playoff, um, and while their schedule has been laughably bad, and normally when somebody schedules that bad, and and you're trying to make an argument for the playoff, I'm I'm completely against it. But in this situation, I I do I would like to see BYU in the college football playoff, just because it's not their fault. Um, they had a pretty decent schedule, and COVID just wrecked it. Um, I love their quarterback, um, same guy who uh, who beat Tennessee last year in Neyland Stadium. Um, quarterback's really good. They they just have a good team. I wouldn't be surprised at all. If Boise State does win this game. Um, I, I am on BYU minus the two and a half, just because a field goal wins a, a three point win cashes the bet for me. Um, but this game is more important to BYU, and I think that this is their season. And I think they're going to go, they're going to play like it, and, and I think they'll end up winning the game. I think that, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means, but I do think they can cover the two and a half. Um, now, my favorite game of the whole weekend um, is an 11 a.m. Saturday game. <clears throat> I'm on Liberty plus 17 and a half at Virginia Tech. Um, Liberty's coming off a of bye week. For those of you who who haven't heard yet, that's where Hugh Freeze is now. I've, I've always loved Hugh Freeze um, being in Jackson. I got to go watch him coach at Lambeth um, before he was even at Arkansas State. So I've been I've been watching Hugh Freeze up close for a long time, um, and he's got Liberty ranked. They're undefeated, coming off the bye, um, and just I don't well I don't necessarily think they're going to win. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they won. I don't I I'm not putting money on them to win. I do think they're gonna cover the seventeen and a half at Virginia Tech. Um I got that on Sunday. I think it's fourteen and a half now. Um, but I, I got it at seventeen and a half on Sunday. uh if I'm even even if Liberty does lose the game, which again I wouldn't be surprised at all, and I'm kinda of expecting them to lose the game. Um, and I don't think that's unreasonable because they are catching seventeen and a half anyway. They end their season with Coastal Carolina, who is undefeated and also ranked. That could be the Group of Five game of the year. I cannot wait for that game. It's going to fly under the radar just because it is late in the season and you're going to have all the other Power Five conferences playing at the same time. But that game is worth watching for sure. Um, I'm very excited for that game already. Um, So, again, Liberty plus 17.5. The cocktail party, I'm on Florida plus 3.5. Uh, this is more about, I don't think Georgia is that good. Um, I think I'm not just in love with Florida. Actually, I hate both teams. As a Tennessee fan, I despise both teams. But I am on Florida plus three and a half. I think Florida is going to win the game outright. <clears throat> so catching the three and a half is just kind of a bonus for me. Um, and then the last game that I have right now, I have Clemson minus six at Notre Dame. Um, I know there's no Trevor Lawrence. I think the scare last week got Clemson back on track and they're going to, they're locked in now. Um, And even more so than that, I just think Notre Dame sucks. I'm I've always for years, you can go back and watch some of the videos I made years ago or anything on my website. Notre Dame always is, is always overrated. They choke in the biggest games. um, And this most certainly qualifies as, as a biggest game. Um, I just fade Notre Dame because they're not very good. um, And I don't, I expect Clemson to roll in uh, South Bend Saturday night, even without Trevor Lawrence. And I'll I'll tell you this, I'll be more surprised if it's a single digit game um than if if uh I'd be more surprised if Notre Dame won than if Clemson won the game by fourteen or more. Um I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happens. Um so that's what I have so far. Um Eastern Michigan, plus five and a half. That was last night. already got that one. Tonight, today's Thursday. So, tonight, Wyoming, minus two and a half at Colorado State. Friday night, I'm on BYU, minus two and a half at Boise State. Um, Saturday, Liberty, plus 17 and a half at Virginia Tech. Um, Saturday afternoon, Florida, plus three and a half uh, against Georgia. That game's in Jacksonville. Um, And and, uh, Saturday night, Clemson, minus six at Notre Dame. So, again, that's what I have so far. I'm probably going to add another game or two to that before it's all said and done Saturday night. Um, <clears throat> so you can on the website JacksonBleachers.com. Um, anytime I make a pick, I'll update the page there. Um, so we got talked about a lot today. Actually, didn't wasn't expecting to talk that long, um, but that's what we got. Tennessee game 6:30 Saturday night. Um, thank you for listening. Check back on the website for any any additional picks I make between today or between right now and then end of the last game which is hawaii finally we get a late night hawaii live stream um i think 10 o'clock kicks saturday night so check back between now and then see if i add any picks um but i will talk to you all next week